So I know we wanted to jump in this episode about speaking Vietnamese, but I thought we should take a step back and talk a little bit about the concept that may come before that, which is also important to belonging, which is racialization. And I wanted to begin with a story where I was in maybe second or third grade, and I had a student come up to me after I was finishing my snack for before break or after break or during break. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. I was like, it was, it was at the very beginning of break and I just finished my snack. I was heading to the trash can to throw away the trash and he stopped me, spoke a bunch of gibberish with a lot of clicking sounds and asked me if I understood, which I said I didn't. He said, I thought you were Chinese. And I said, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> and just a moment like that, it made me think, like, why am I so different? Uh, it made me ask myself, like, what about me makes it seem or have him think that I am Chinese and would speak um, in that, like, that, that, uh, I don't know if it's a language per se, but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> So just to jump into it, we're going to talk a little bit more about racialization in this episode and delve into what makes us realize like when we've felt this sensation of like being different. And it's not always a story that's so clear, but I hope we can get into some more details about each of our own individual experiences as we get later on into this episode. Welcome to book two, chapter three of Growing Up Nguyen. Welcome to Growing Up Nguyen, a story of four siblings holding on to our identity while fulfilling our parents' dreams. I'm Hung. I'm Karen Hunt. I'm Hedda Hugh. And I'm Ben Huang. These are the blessings and challenges of growing up Nguyen in America. I feel like before we start, we should probably have some sort of base definition of racialization to start us off. Because, you know, everyone would be having different definitions and you never know. <laughs> um, so to me, racialization is when people box you in and they tell you what you can and cannot do based off of your race. And eventually you kind of start believing in that narrative of what you can and cannot do. Yeah. I think to add to that, I always think about the definition of racism that my professor at UC Davis presented to me when we were in class because somebody had asked her about like hierarchy and rankings. We were studying um, the presence of Africans in India and she was talking about how, well, she basically called us out for the fact that we all, we were very focused on racism based on the color of someone's skin, but at its core, it's a structure of op- racism is a structure of oppression based on the assumption of superiority of one group over another based on a certain characteristic. And that's a very long definition, but it's what we have in America that we look at racism based on someone's skin color and based on like skin color, we have social and political structures that are put into place to reinforce the difference or disparity between people. It's based on that 
characteristic of a certain group. And so to give another example, one instance she gave us is there's like a community in Latin America, which looks at uh, people's eye colors instead of the color of someone's skin. And that's how a hierarchy is in place. So you would only be able to judge someone, not only be able to judge someone, but you would judge someone by looking at their eye color instead of their skin color. And that just put a huge, I just got a really different perspective on race after that and racism, because it's really about the like structural oppression, which again, sounds like a very big word, but I want to give another example. So when I think about racialization, which comes from racism, this structure of oppression, I think about when Sandra Oh, who is the leading actor in Killing Eve, when she first got the script for that, she was asking who the main character would be. She like didn't believe herself. She's an Asian American woman, Korean American, Korean Canadian, Canadian, yeah, <laughs> Korean Canadian, who didn't believe that she could have a leading role because she was an Asian American and she Asian Korea Asian person. <laughs> uh, there's no women who have leading roles like that, and so she never imagined it for herself. And I think that's when it comes to having that social structure in which you feel boxed in because you feel like there is only a certain place for you. Oh wow, that brought up a lot of stuff. For me, because I think of back in high school, I could not imagine myself being in any of like the lead roles for shows. I definitely felt that, especially when the high school did Legally Blonde. And obviously, that's not a very diverse casting, first off. But I just remember looking at the MTV version of, what is it? The, uh, Legally, Legally Blonde. And I was like, I don't, I can't see myself playing any of these characters. There's just no one that looks like me. And the one like Asian person that was in it was supposed to be like, supposed to be a foreign exchange student or something like that. So I was just like, I don't know where I fit in. How do I put myself here if I don't have anyone that seems like they have, like, there's no role for me, you know? And it didn't, it kind of went further because I, I just never believed I could get a lead role until the, uh, my high school said, or I guess we all went to that same high school. So it was our high school. Um, so that they were going to do The King and I, which is supposed to be an Asian show. But I remember that a lot of the theater kids had started being very opposed to it because we had probably probably three to four Asian guys in our whole theater department. And overall the show was supposed to be like a whole family of people that were Asian. And so that was kind of upsetting because that was the only show that I could possibly see myself in. Cause it wasn't like an Asian show. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. Cause there's no, I feel like there's nothing that, fits me in theater. I feel a lot better. I've kind of, I think I've kind of moved past that and started to try and 
do whatever. <laughs> just be whatever. I think the show that I'm in now, um, Macbeth, I want it frat way. <laughs> it's... I have never seen myself play a frat boy, but honestly just kind of went into it and just decided to have fun. I actually started watching videos on, uh, what is this show? The frat boys of Simi way, Simi Valley. I started watching <laughs> so that I get a sense of how to act frat ish, I guess. And it's honestly helped a lot, even though there's no, I mean, there's no Asian person in it, but I just kind of used that frat vibe or the the different accents that are in it just to help me build my character (laughs) (laughs) which reminds me did y'all remember when i sent an article about how the students at harvard university put um a pan-asian or an asian american flair on legally blonde um i haven't seen it myself but i from what i recall i mean it's like you mentioned like it's a within the title legally blonde yeah. <laughs> blonde but um they the asian students at harvard um you know just, you know kind of rewrote it to kind of give it more to bring in the asian culture within the, the storyline i haven't seen it but i've heard that, that that's what they did i don't know how we can see it but <laughs> maybe there'll be some other way that, that they'll be get shown just want to throw that in there yeah, I've been thinking about Huang's story a lot and as his relates to drama. Um, but I can, there's like certain things that I find in common um, or just like moments where I found that I've, growing up, I've been raised, or going back to the definition of racialization, I've been raised and kind of conditioned to think about myself in a certain way, um, maybe as different, um, excluded or an other. Um, I remember in this high school classical ethics and media class that the teacher was showing a Asian cartoon on a t-shirt. Um, it was an Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back then it was, um, I, they're, they're doing a little push for more inclusion now, but back then are it was they? pretty, <laughs> are they? <laughs> it was pretty exclusive. We'll just say that. Um, or I'll just say that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And the, the, the cartoon was a character of like an Asian man doing something. And it definitely had, um, a kind of connotation that felt pretty like, just like called out for your difference in not a good way. Um, and I felt, I I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then the teacher asked like everyone to comment because it was a kind of a group discussion kind of moment. But after that kind of called me out in a sense, because she said, if there's anyone Asian who wanted to speak about this moment um, in class. And so, I mean, I didn't say anything, but I also happened to be the only Asian student in that class. And that's just how I remember it. But it's just being called out from a difference um, I, I think there's a common kind of theme for me that all these stories that I've told so far have centered on me not belonging based on my racial identity as, as an Asian, but also specifically more so Vietnamese American. I have people across, um, different ages and different times in my life where I'm told I'm different 
and they point out ways where I'm not like everyone else. And as I, I grow older and I experience more, I just feel like every older story that I experience dislodges that younger memory for me of when I felt racialized for what I look like. And that feeling of not belonging always comes up again. It's funny because for me, I feel like, well, and also listening to everyone's stories, it seems like a lot has happened in school. Yeah. And I would say the same thing happened for me because what that immediately brought to mind and because the really the concept of race racialization is what Hatton has been Hatton has been drawing out, Huang has drawn out, but it just becomes very blatant or prevalent in your mind that your racial identity and that's what makes you stand out from every other person. And I remember in sixth grade, the history teacher, we were talking about the Vietnam War. And, you know, when you talk about Vietnam in a history book, it's like a paragraph over like two pages. <laughs> like, it's not really that much. But for whatever reason, he called me out and was like, oh, isn't isn't Vietnam still split into two, North Vietnam and South Vietnam, just like Korea? One, I didn't know, like, much about Korea then. And two, I was like, why do I have to know this? Like, aren't you the teacher? And I just said no, because Moma have not like I knew there was like regions the way like Minbak and Minnam which is like the north and the south of Vietnam but it's not split up split up the way that there is like a uh, border line so I that's what I said in class but it was still really uncomfortable because it seemed like I had to know everything about myself and being in the sixth grade it felt really uncomfortable because you don't know everything about yourself. And when you go to school, you don't learn about your own history of Vietnam. Like we went to Vietnam on the weekends, which I think went through history a little bit, but it's not the same as having it day in, day out, Monday through Friday. I was thinking a little bit about what you said about people calling it both of what you said. And I was trying to think back. It's like, I don't know if it happened so much in school. Maybe th there were moments, but interesting. I always felt like, oh, cool. I get to share a little bit about Vietnam, right? I get to answer the question. Um, I don't know why I thought that way. Uh, I do remember in high school taking U.S. history when kind of what you said, this, the history book gives you this, you know, you, know, you start to get to towards the end of the year and you got to cover the like more recent um, U.S. history. What is it like? uh, cold war and all the way up into the present, which is like early two thousands. And, and when the teacher got to the Vietnam war, I, maybe because of Hatton's story, I had probably already told me that I thought, Oh my God, am I going to be called out to answer some questions about Vietnam? And I was like, all right, getting ready. Like TikTok, like, yeah, it's separated. Yeah. This is how many million people died. Oh, like mentally preparing. And then the instructor said, you know, kind of acknowledge that the United States made a, a move that put and led to like the death of a million of Vietnamese people. And, you know, that there's Vietnamese people living in the in United States and how, you know, this is so important to um, how just because of the war has affected the, the social landscape of the United States and the economy of the United States. And it's like, whoa, that's like the first time anyone ever said that in a, in a, like a school setting, right? It's that's the first honestly, time I ever yeah, heard that. No, no, no. <laughs> and, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so it, it was an acknowledgement. So it's interesting that even 
though y'all have had moments where people have called you out, you know, in a way to, you know, based on what you look like. Uh, when I've had those moments, I've been kind of excited to, to be like, yeah, I'm from, my parents are from Vietnam and I'm Vietnamese American. And like, I get to tell you about it, right? Like I get to be different. I'm not, if you, if you think about our multicultural parade in elementary school, where our school was predominantly Hispanic, um, we were a group, what, five, seven people at the most carrying a Vietnam flag. Granted, we didn't know whether it's the star or the three stripes to use. <laughs> but, but I was like, oh, you know, I, we get to like hold this flag that not too many people like we're, we're like, you know, we're like a minority, but we get to stand out and represent a country because where else in the world would we have this representation, but here, and that's just, you know, super cool um, to, to be different, to stand out and like represent something that's not the majority in the school. So I, in a way I was like, oh, excited to be a minority, <laughs> but only because I get to represent. Um, and I remember last season when I told that story about being on the playground at school, when the boy asked me um, if I was from China, do you remember that, that last, the first book, it was on the playground. And I, you know, having growing up speaking Vietnamese, I didn't know how to answer. I mean, I did say I was, I'm from Vietnam, but I didn't realize Vietnam is also an English Vietnam. <laughs> I thought it was a People different word. Vietnam. Oh, Vietnam. You know, the going back to saying Vietnam, I, from that moment, I was like, oh, I get to, you know, let me kind of learn a little bit more about my country because I almost took it as a little bit of, um, like, I don't know to, so what's the word. I just felt like I wanted to learn more too. I always had a curiosity because I then hit me realize, oh, I don't, there's things I don't know. Cause I'm in, in the bridge between two cultures and two languages. And I, I wanted to know. So maybe it's a, a, a sense of curiosity within me. And like he was said, we did go to every Saturday, you know, Vietnamese school, um, for what, four hours, nine to noon, um, or one. And we get to learn the history. And then it's through learning that history that I get to be like, oh, I can understand how Vietnam came to be. And it's kind of a little bit of its folklore and the history and all of that. It's information that I get to kind of put into, oh, who I am and what part of it makes sense to me. So I always think about kind of being like, oh, um, I get to, you know, was it represent a little bit of Vietnam here in the United States, but I totally understand the racialization. I mean, it's not cool to be called out. And I think there's a sense of curiosity, but there's a sense of also when you call out um, and you don't make gibberish noises <laughs> and stuff, you're curious, you know, there's a, there's a way to ask. So um, is there anything else you guys want to add or... I mean, I just love what you've said so far because I think it's true. I think we've had really valuable experiences too that have also kind of like balanced out the horribleness of people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but like at its core, I think it's also really difficult because racialization is really like a story that you learn because of the experiences you've had of other people telling who you are telling you who you are and who you should be because Huang feeling like he's not going to be in a lead role or 
like me being called out because like I'm Vietnamese and I'm supposed to know all about the Vietnam War it can be really uncomfortable but I think at the same time there is a lot of pride in being Vietnamese American and I think that's something that you really highlighted so I just really love that Oh, I, I didn't I didn't have much to add, much more to add. I was just thinking the whole time, wow, like there's so much pride in your voice when you're like talking about, oh, hell yeah, I'm I'm Vietnamese American. <laughs> like, I, I I I wish I, I I I looking back, I just wish I was like that when I was growing up, you know? Because I don't know things. I feel like things would have turned out different. I probably would have cared less about how I looked and how people see me I would have just went for everything and just been like hell yeah this is me (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm not saying it was hard I mean it was hard (laughs) there were moments but it it was more about self-identity rather than like you know like in my mind it was like who am I and I and while there's like external messages for some reason, I guess I had a strong sense of self then. But it's kind of like what you said, right? Like if you had that sense, the same way you go into auditions, like even if there, I thought like, oh, there are no roles that make like an Asian person should play. Because I remember, I, I think I also told the story how I told Maya, oh, I wanted to be an actress because I saw that one Asian boy in Indiana Jones movie. And they said, oh, Hollywood doesn't cast Asian people. I mean, it didn't really bother me. I think I just wanted to look pretty. And so you know, I just did Vanya <laughs> and be in front of a camera. Look, I'm, look at me now. <laughs> but it, yeah, the same way, like, if they, you know, I mean, granted, I don't think if I was called out in class, I just probably like, I don't, I'm not going to comment on this, but, <laughs> um, but, but, but about history, I, I go, sorry, I want to go back to like how Hugh had talked about her, her teacher calling out about the Vietnam history in sixth grade. And it's interesting because I don't think I've really had like a moment in school where it was like put on the spot in front of what, 20 plus students. So at the same time, there is something that is always interesting. And maybe that's why growing up together, you know, we can share these experiences and um, have these discussions. And why we do this podcast is even though we've grown together, we're six years apart, you and me, Hugh, but we've had different moments um, of maybe how like racializations first of all affected us person for individuality and also just the circumstances like what happened in school because we went to different schools what teachers we've had so it all affected how those moments come to get those racializations can affect us mm-hmm. I mean also maybe they just like never said anything to you because you're like the quiet Asian so they just never, <laughs> never, 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 never <laughs> I don't know. Racialization affects us in different ways. (laughs) There you go. There was that. And I was like, it's all right. I'm just going to be me. (laughs) No, but I think it's in line with like all these small situations that from our past that still affect who we are today. And I think it's important that we share these stories because it's about not having... I think Hatton said before, like agency or like kind of consent in telling our stories and like who we are and being able to process it now all together. I think we can have that reckoning and that's kind of (laughs) (laughs) reckoning that we do belong. And so I'm really glad that we talked about this. Maybe we can talk more. I think we were going to talk about Vietnamese language in the next. I mean, just going back to Hatton's first story, when someone looks at you, often they assume that you speak 
a second language. So I guess it really puts was it nails on the head with a racialization. <laughs> yeah. But and we do speak Vietnamese, but to various degrees. Going back to like, you know, the time we grew up and the circumstances. I think what it's key, and I saw this um, that someone had written was that the language that your parents give you, because, you know, growing up as, you know, Vietnamese American is Vietnamese is our heritage language. Have y'all heard of that? I have not no. heard of that. I remember there was a UNESCO definition. I don't remember it now. But, right. <laughs> um, about, like intangible, because there's like um, tangible cultural assets, like buildings and like um, certain like cultural traditions. But like the intangible ones are like things like um, language and like, um, I'm trying to think of like things that aren't so permanent. Um, those are, uh, and that, that's like a cultural asset, but it's it's more in line with what you're describing. Yeah. I guess since you didn't, I'll just look it up right now. It says um, heritage language is a minority language, either immigrant or indigenous learned by its speakers at home as children, but never fully developed because of insufficient input from the social environment. And I think that's that exactly what we're everything. talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, you know, uh, we'll wrap it up here. And, and I, I'm glad we could talk a little bit about those moments of racializa- racializations and now like bring it forward into a little bit of the heritage language, you know, our Vietnamese language for us. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do that. Signing out on chapter three. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Growing Up Nguyen. We'd love to hear what you think about our episode today. So please reach out to us through our website at www.growingupnguyen.com or follow us on Instagram at growing.up.nguyen. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. We're Hương, Han, Hyo, and Huang, and this is Growing Up Nguyen. <laughs>